Welcome back in to the Sports Buzz Podcast, a production of WKYT-TV. And as I have said before, I tend to call this one the Sports Buzz Carcast. Because once again, we come to you on the road, on the drive. Now, why? Well, when I consume podcasts, I tend to consume them in the car. And so, hopefully, this will allow you to consume this while you're in the car as well. And hopefully the time matches up and all those sort of things work. And the technical stuff is all there and everything works. And it sounds good and it comes out here. But um, what we're going to try to do each and every week is we're going to try to do something a little bit different each and every week. But I think it's important to talk this week because everybody is still talking about what happened last weekend. And and so I've got just some random thoughts that, that I want to run by you all. Uh, remember, you can download this podcast uh, at any place you can get podcasts, Audio Boom, uh, iTunes, any place like that. You can get it on the WKYT uh, website. And um, listen, we hope you tell your friends and neighbors and subscribe to it. And, and also, you can, of course, reach me on Twitter, at BuzzBaker, or it's DaveB at WKYT.com. Everybody's got my email address. If there are topics you want us to take, uh, uh, to tackle, uh, if there are people that you want us to talk to, we absolutely want to hear from you and talk about all of that. But I think it would be remiss if the first thing we didn't talk about is the fact that nobody is getting ready for the Final Four here in Central Kentucky or in the state of Kentucky. And that's just pretty much got everybody all kinds of bummed out. I think they're I think they're kind of starting to get over it. And as I record this, we are on the eve of opening day at Keeneland. And it's supposed to be a glorious weekend on Saturday with the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes and the Central Bank Ashland Stakes. But for the most part, everybody is still just bummed out. And and it kind of, you know, all of this takes me back to kind of the start of the season. It's not only a loss, but it's the circumstances around the loss. So... At the start of the year, everybody's all fired up. It's Duke and Kentucky in most people's eyes in the country. It's two great groups of one-and-done guys. And guess what? Duke comes out and just dominates the game. So then everybody goes into woe-is-me mode. And it takes really about the whole season for this Kentucky team, I think, to get back the full confidence of the fan base and to say, hey, we can make a run. We can do this. And so then, they win a couple of tough games uh, in the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. They win another tough game against Houston in the Sweet 16. And then you go into the Elite Eight against a team in Auburn that you had beaten twice already this year. Last time by 27 points about a month earlier on your home court. And this day, they didn't have the guy who had played the best for them down the stretch in Chuma Okiki, who had blown out his knee in their Sweet 16 victory. And so when the game happened, it didn't happen. And it was horrifically disappointing for everybody. And we could sit here and talk about what happened. And people have pontificated all week long about experienced teams, inexperienced teams. A couple of thoughts here. In my mind, the teams that have made deep runs in the NCAA tournament and the teams that are still playing on Final Four weekend, 
it, yeah, it probably is a mix of youth and experience, but more than anything else, it's great guard play. And, you know, the Kentucky backcourt, they had a tough time. Tyler Hero, except for the shot against Houston, did not shoot the ball in the NCAA tournament the way he had most of the year. Uh, you had uh, Ashton Hagens, who at one time had emerged shortly after the departure of Quade Green as a lockdown defender. And he just didn't defend very well uh, down the stretch. And at the point guard position, he turned the ball over. And he had more turnovers than he did assists. And you look at what happened to Michigan State and Cassius Winston as they won their way to the championship uh, weekend, the Final Four weekend, beating Duke and R.J. Barrett and all those guys. Cassius Winston in that regional final, 10 assists and one turnover. And that's the kind of output I believe you have to have from your guards. We, we can... We can speculate all you want about who's coming back, who's doing what. I'm, I'm not going to get into that thing right now. A couple other things uh, along this uh, line that I want to talk about. Uh, I think these guys, while at times they may have showed the immaturity uh, that would be arm-in-arm uh, arm with their youth, they represented this university awfully well. Nobody got caught really doing anything stupid on social media or had to be set down or anything like that. Nobody really got out of their lane. And a couple of things. Uh, Reed Travis, what a wonderful young man and athlete. And I mean, just what a joy to have him around and represent this UK program. And he's a guy that even though he was just here for a year, he'll always be a wildcat. You can just tell it. And that dude is going to go on and do big things in this world. I don't know what he does with the rest of his basketball career, but he's going to do big things in his life. Uh, P.J. Washington. You know, there were a lot of questions last year and even early this season about P.J.'s motor. And, you know, he's a guy that had all this talent. And was that talent going to be hooked up at some point in time with just unbelievable effort? And was he going to have a breakthrough game, uh, you know, where he just took over? Or was he going to be like some other guys who had played here and maybe their motors didn't run the highest, and everybody talked about, well, what might have been. The other thing that happened, too, is once he was injured, and we've got to be careful about this, because I'm sure there were some fans, but there were some people that weren't fans that represented themselves at UK fans that just said some awful things on social media about how he and his dad were tanking it for the NBA and everything. That kid played valiantly. That kid was injured. He knew he could not hurt himself anymore, but he still had to play through the pain. And this team wouldn't have even been in either of those two games, the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight game, if it hadn't been for P.J. Washington. And so I hope Wildcat fans appreciate what he did. They appreciate how he did it. And the whole narrative about P.J. Washington, I just hope it changes because it deserves to. Okay, so the season comes to an end, and people really not happy. And in a program like this, you shouldn't be happy. And if you look at it in totality, it's another great season, but nobody's going to look at it in totality right now. And so all you got to do is go back to work. And that's what this staff has done, but not until we had our first little mini 
off the court story, and that was John Calipari and this whole contract thing. I want to recap briefly for you what exactly happened. All this stuff actually started to transpire right before the SEC tournament, right before the NCAA tournament. And as I understand it, uh, the UCLA folks called up and said, hey, can we talk to Cal? And the UK people kind of looked at each other and kind of chuckled and said, sure, you can talk to him. And, you know, John Calipari's not had a buyout since 2014. So I don't know whether there was ever any actual conversation between uh, UCLA or not, whether UCLA talked to Cal's representative uh, or not. But the next night after all this came out, my understanding is Mitch Barnhart had a conversation with Cal and said, hey, you understand we want you to be here until you're done coaching, right? And, and my understanding, Cal said, of course, do that. And it was that night that he came out and tweeted that he wanted to be at Kentucky for the rest of his coaching career. And I believe he really does. I believe his family's in a great place. I believe he loves being a coach here. He talks about this program's not for everybody. I think it fit his, fits him just like a glove. And so then as this story goes on, you know, look at it this way. It's a win for the folks out at UCLA. See, Cal is never, listen, Cal was never going to go to UCLA anyway. I don't care how much money they offered. But let, let's just look at it and break it down. He's making $9 million plus here, right? Okay. So why would you go to UCLA for $8 million, then have to pay cost of living out in Los Angeles, and then have to pay California state taxes? That dude would be losing money going out there. And listen, Cal loves being in the center of all the action. And, you know, out there in L.A., would he be in the center of the action? Oh, he'd be a player. But with LeBron and Magic and all the uh, actors and actresses and professional teams, I just don't see Cal doing that. And I don't think it was ever a factor. But if you're the UCLA people now, you were paying Steve Alford $2.6 million. And so their people can now puff their chest out and say, hey, we offered Coach Cal $8 million. We're serious about winning. And at the time of this uh, car cast, they're supposedly talking to Jamie Dixon about taking a job, who had been at Pitt and then at TCU, and he's a Los Angeles native. And that's the kind of guy they need to talk to. But they, they, they didn't have the, listen, They've, they've already gotten smacked on the hand from the university system out there. It's the University of California system. Remember, it's University of uh, California, Santa Barbara, uh, University of Southern California, University of California at Los Angeles, UCLA. In my understanding, they had already been smacked by the people in the university system for spending too much on athletics. So they get a win by going to all their boosters and saying, see, I told you, I told you we were serious. And so now Cal goes back to work. Uh, and, and, and just to be clear, whether it's lifetime contract or not, he says, at my age, what's a lifetime? Is it like three years, 10 years? He's got five years left on his deal, which takes him through 2024. And then they put five more. And a contract, as of this morning, has not been officially signed uh, and registered on the university system. But it would be basically a five-year extension that would take him to 2029, which would take him to age 70. And he's always been one of these guys, remember, that he's always telling us about how Anthony Davis took the fourth or fifth most shots on the 
championship team. And then he also said that he was not going to be one of these guys that coached until he was 60 or 70. But this contract would take him to age 70. And then you guys will have to check with somebody else. But some of my boys down at the High Street YMCA who know these things say that there's something that you've got to take when you've got retirement or deferred compensation. You get hit with a pretty good check to the government once you hit age 70. And so some of the boys were saying that it might be advantageous for him to make even less money at that point in time because as of right now, I think Cal has got about $10 million in deferred compensation already accrued from his time here at UK in addition to about the $50 million I think he's been paid. But listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Nick Saban at Alabama, John Calipari at Kentucky. Those two guys fit their programs perfectly. And you know what? I know fans look at everything that's happened and say that Cal, they either say that he should have won more or they wished he'd won more. And you know what? John Calipari would say the same thing. And, and I'm just telling you, after having seen this program go through a lot of different things, I think fans should be eternally grateful that John Calipari is not only here, but wants to continue to be here and I think it's awesome that they've worked out a deal where whenever he's done, he'll be able to finish. Now, the question is, how long will he go? And guys are going longer and longer. I think Coach K is like 73 now. Jim Bayheim is in his early 70s. And he's got a son on the team who's a freshman, who was a freshman this year, Buddy. And then a lot of Wildcat fans will remember our guy, Leonard Hamilton, who was an assistant here with Joe B. Hall, who got Florida State to the Sweet 16 this year at the age of 70. So for those of us who are getting older, let's hope that 70s like to do 50 or something like that. One other thing uh, that I want to mention on basketball today, a, a, a couple of different things. Rick Bird retired earlier this week at age 66, the guy who's been at Belmont for 33 years, did such a great job with them this year, was actually the athletics director for a time in this modern age of college basketball. Uh, while he was also the head basketball coach, uh, prince of a guy, wonderful ambassador to his sport, wonderful coach and mentor uh, to his players, wonderful member of the community. He will be missed, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best. And then there's one thing that I'm sure I've already had some people on Twitter not agree with me, but... I'm going to go here anyway. And I was one of a lot of people who was really surprised uh, that Eddie Sutton was once again denied induction into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, Eddie resigned when everything happened here at Kentucky. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. But he coached at the D1 level for 36 years was the first coach in the history of college basketball to take four schools to the NCAA tournament. One of only eight coaches with 800 wins, three Final Fours, and a two-time Coach of the Year. Now, we all know what happened here at UK, and everybody paid a price for it. Everybody who was on staff paid a price for it. 
players, fans, everybody. But I, I think that today more than ever, we're, we're a forgiving society. And I think that's true in every area of our society, except for people that vote on these Hall of Fames. I, I mean, look at the whole Pete Rose thing. You know, look at some of the other guys that are in the Baseball Hall of Fame and what they have done. Uh, and, and yet, Eddie Sutton, because of the Kentucky probation, is denied again. And, I mean, I don't remember the exact amount of money. I mean, if it's wrong, it's wrong. But it was an Emory envelope with, I forget how much, was it 1000 1200 I forget, with cash in it that popped open out in Los Angeles that was intended for Claude Mills, Chris Mills' dad. I was a young pup at KYT then, but I remember the Sunday afternoon that Eddie came out there during the CBS broadcast, sat down in our newsroom, and resigned his position as coach. And um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, everybody else involved, okay? Now, certainly Dwayne Casey took his lumps, and he probably fought harder than anybody else against NCAA sanctions. But he took his lumps, and look what he's doing now. And he understands highs and lows because he was the NBA coach of the year last year and got fired. And so here tonight, as I talk to you, he's got the Pistons in the hunt. There are three playoff spots left in the NBA at the time I'm talking to you and four teams in the hunt. And his rookie year with the Detroit Pistons, he's got the Pistons in the fight for one of those spots. You had... uh, Doug Barnes, who went on to a successful business career, who was a member of that staff. Uh, James Dickey, who went on and was an assistant coach and a head coach, okay, in college basketball after that. And, of course, Jimmy Dykes, successful broadcast career, stint as the Arkansas women's coach. It's almost like everybody's been forgiven except for Eddie. And he's in awful health, and I don't know whether it was – What happened here at Kentucky, and and I'm not going to do any moral equivalency here, okay? But the things that this program got hit for then, and they were wrong. It's kid stuff to this stuff we're dealing with in college basketball right now. I mean, it really is. And it was wrong then, and they should have been punished. And then Eddie has been open about the fact that You know, he's battled all his life. He's battled addiction. And he was able, after a period of time, uh, to go back and and coach at his alma mater out there at Oklahoma State until, uh, I think he he had been at Oklahoma State. I know he started his coaching career a long time there with Coach Iba, but, but I believe he was a graduate of that. But don't hold me to that. But anyway, he went to Oklahoma State and had really done a nice job coaching until that addiction got him again. And I've said it before, and you'll hear me say it again. There but for the grace of God goes, you know. I mean, none of us are perfect. And I don't know what your all's faith system is. But I haven't deserved it. But my Lord and Savior has given me upteen chances, none of which that I deserve. And I just think for what he did on the court, 
Eddie should be honored by this body for his body of work. And maybe just maybe when somebody sees his body of work as it relates to the Hall of Fame, they might look more into what happened to him and what he battled and how he battled. And it might just help someone to help somebody else. Uh, he, he's in failing health. Uh, I know his family was bitterly disappointed that it didn't happen. But I just hope that one day that that wrong is righted and that Eddie Sutton finds his way into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Not for being a perfect man, not for never making a mistake because we know that didn't happen, but for his body of work and his contributions to the game of basketball over 36 years at the Division I level. And finally, I don't know when you consume this uh, car cast or not. I hope you all get out to Keeneland. It is a beautiful place. You don't have to know anything about racing. You can enjoy the horses. You can you watch the people, the, the, the food, and the entertainment is off the charts. And a lot of folks may not realize that Keeneland was founded as a nonprofit organization designed to help thoroughbred breeders in central Kentucky. Because obviously, if people were racing horses, that means more business for the breeders themselves. And by being a nonprofit, what Keeneland has done over the years, and sometimes you hear about it, sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle, but the amount of money that Keeneland has and continues to donate to great organizations year after year, they have been and they continue to be an unbelievable corporate partner. So if, if nothing else, get yourself out there, get some food, take some friends. You can go in the, uh, uh, in the uh, premium dining areas or you can just hang out on the rail. I, I mean, it's amazing the people that you see out there, but if for no other reason, just do it to help Keeneland and help them help people right here in our backyard. Again, thanks for joining us here on this CarCast edition of the Sports Buzz Podcast. Uh, this has been a production of WKYT-TV. Remember, you can email me, Dave B at WKYT.com, uh, at BuzzBaker on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to this on Audio Boom and every place where you get uh, podcasts. And we hope that you check out all of the other folks on WKYT, Amber and uh, Victor and Andrea and some other folks who are doing podcasts uh, and the people that they get to talk to and we just are so appreciative of you folks inviting us into your home day after day, night after night, and now drive after drive. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.